Hello everyone, Rob Guest from Football.London here and welcome to episode two of Golden Guest Talk Tottenham, Football.London's brand new Tottenham podcast. As ever, there's plenty to discuss on all things Tottenham today, ranging from the pre-season win over Arsenal to Latoura Martinez, Harry Kane, Tangi and Dembele and we'll also be uh, previewing the new Premier League season. As ever, I am joined by Alistair Gold, who is back from his birthday celebrations. Week-long celebrations, are they going to be, Ali? <laughs> you make it, make it sound like we're holding this parade through our local town. Um, it was very nice, thank you. At a very nice time. And, and apologies for not being able to do this podcast, as as we'd originally hoped, every, uh, every week on the dot. Uh, but yes, my birthday got in the way of it, and I was informed very clearly... Uh, no Tottenham related stuff, which uh, I tried to keep to this time. So, but we're back, and we, yes, lots to talk about today. Yeah, and since it is your week off, that everyone is expecting quite a lot to happen <laughs> at Tottenham this week. So, we'll have to see what happens over the course of the few days ahead of Sunday's Premier League opener against Man City. Uh, anyway, let's talk Tottenham. We'll start with Sunday's preseason win over Arsenal. Following the 2-2 draw against Chelsea on the Wednesday night, Spurs really needed a win and then uh, a good performance as well to give everyone a bit of a lift ahead of the Premier League opener against Man City. And that's exactly what they got with Son Heung-min scoring the goal late on following some terrific work by Jibet Tanganga down the right-hand side. Spurs dominant really. A number of chances. Son was denied in the first half. Deli Alley hit the post twice. Sergio Regalan flashed the shot wide of the target as well. Really was, uh, I think, an impressive performance by Spurs. And it's probably just a shame it was uh, just by the one goal in the end. You happy with what you saw on Sunday, Ali? Yeah, really happy. Actually, surprisingly uh, content, actually, of where Tottenham are at in their pre-season. Um, yeah, it was, I mean, apart from the fact that a rarity uh, in recent 18 months of you and I actually being side-by-side side at a football match, which was lovely in itself. Um, yeah, they're, they're really coming along. They're trying to put it. I think they're more organised with each passing game. I think they look better in their attacking kind of rhythm and link-ups between the players. And it really could have been, yeah, 3-4-0 maybe on the day. You know, obviously, there are a lot of Arsenal correspondents there that we know very well. And I was kind of gauging their opinion as well, because sometimes, you know, we get a little bit wrapped up and we see it from very much within rather than looking from the outside. Um, and the general consensus about the two North London teams was very much from the Arsenal side that their team looks like it's exactly in the same place it was last season. And it really, really looks... Uh, with a lack of goals, and even though they brought in Ben White, that you know, the defense still looks shaky. Whereas the opinion from them about Tottenham was, yeah, how much, how ready Tottenham looked for the season, and how kind of they look like they're ready to step into a Premier League game. Um, which I'll be honest, you know, bearing in mind, well, they had one of their new signings make a second half appearance in Gallini. I think that's some achievement by Nuno Espirito Santo. You know, I think, let's be honest, a lot of people probably didn't want Nuno at the start of the uh, the whole process to find a new head coach manager. And I think even you and I, you know, he probably wasn't in the top, maybe even top 10 of the managers that we probably expected at least to turn up at Tottenham. 
But I think he's done a good job thus far. We can't really judge him probably too seriously because there's no competitive games yet. However, what um, we've both you know we've watched every single preseason game and we've seen the kind of evolution of the new no way, which is this four three three, which very quickly becomes a four two three one in possession. And yeah, the players we know they're doing double sessions every single pretty much every day. They looked much fitter than Arsenal. You know, I don't think it was any coincidence that Arsenal were making lots of substitutions in that second half, whereas Tottenham, he's still... I think you and I probably both know, and I think a lot of people know, he's probably got his 11 for Man City already set in his head. And I think we can see that with the amount of minutes some players are getting to prepare them for that match. But though they look good. They look good. And I mean, I know the answer to this, I think, already, uh, especially as, you know... Let's be honest, you're a bit like me, a bit of a Nuno doubter to begin with. Um, certainly, I think for both, it was, was in terms of the football we'd see, uh, which obviously I'd say in pre-season, again, only pre-season, but it's been very different to what I expected, I've got to admit. What have you made of him so far? Uh, very impressed by him so far. As you said, I think I had my doubts given how Wolves finished their last season. I think if he was appointed 12 months ago. I think probably more people probably would have been behind him, maybe not so many questioning the appointment, but I think he's won so many over so far. He got a really good reception on Sunday at the game, mm. and then after the game, once he was uh, speaking uh, to Spurs TV, all the fans were waiting down by the side. He was posing for selfies. He was uh, signing autographs. He really looks happy at Tottenham, and I think you can see that from... Uh, the performances, the players are enjoying it at the moment. Uh, obviously, you've got to take into consideration some of the uh, opposition in pre-season with the Colchester and MK Dons wins, but they're playing really attacking, expansive football uh, against them. And that was literally from the very first minute. And yeah, there's been a, a big step up in quality over the past week with Chelsea and Arsenal, but Spurs have uh, still been very impressive going forward. Uh, Deli Alley, very good against Arsenal, really, That's really good. Up for it. Wasn't it? Totally, totally. Uh, I think initially, obviously, he's had to try and adapt to a new position in the team, and it just seemed to click for him against Arsenal. And then I know it was just there. Uh, a friendly, but you try telling that to Deli Ali and the rest of the Spurs teams. Okay. He was uh, definitely making a big impact in the middle. I know Arteta wasn't happy at all when uh, he caught Pepe late and Arteta was pretty much jumping up in the technical area nearly on the pitch. Uh, but yeah, he did that a few really... times, didn't he? <laughs> he did, he did. Yeah. Uh, and then obviously clashed with Heuberg as well, what well, was a really strange incident as well Weird. during the game. Really strange. But yeah, getting back to Ali, I didn't his performance was just missing that goal. And he was so unlucky with both chances, really. Uh, but it's not just Ali who's impressed. I think Steven Bergwijn looks more like his old self. And the attacking trio are linking up really well. And then you've got Ali coming into it as well to make it a really good attacking quartet as well when they are in possession. And Oliver Skip just looks at home in the middle of the park as well. He uh, looks ready, doesn't he? He looks he ready does. for the Premier League properly. I think that's the biggest compliment you can him really he does look ready he looks like he's been in that team for years now mm. he, he excelled at Norwich on loan I think everyone expected him to uh, jump up the pecking order and I think Nuno's last two team selections uh, show he's ahead of Harry Winks in the pecking order and given he started 
the past two, uh, past few friendlies and the past two against Chelsea and Arsenal, then you're expecting him to start on Sunday uh, against Man City. So all in all, I know there's been plenty of talk of Harry Kane and that over pre-season, but I think on the, on the pitch, he's been excellent for Spurs so far. Yeah, no, it, it was really promising. And shout out to Lucas as well, who's a player who, um, how do I put this? I really like him. Uh, he's a lovely guy, very intelligent chap, brilliant to interview. My problem with Lucas has always been the end product. I think sometimes over the previous seasons, he's maybe flattered to deceive slightly in the fact that he's an incredibly win- willing runner, very hard worker. You know, you and I will often joke that he'll, he'll run past two players and run into a third. But, you know, what we've seen thus far in pre-season, again, we've got to add the huge caveat that three of the games obviously were against lower league opposition, but he's looked like he's trying to make things happen in the final third. And I think that's exactly what's asked of him. Nuno seems to like him. Obviously, a fellow Portuguese speaker is going to help as well, although we know that we had that with Jose as well. Um, And, yeah, Tottenham, they just look kind of... I think the best way to put it is that we probably, both of us, felt that this was potentially a little bit of a scary end to pre-season, to have Chelsea and Arsenal for a new manager who, you know, is coming into the job with a little bit of a disadvantage because he maybe wasn't wanted by the bulk of fans. And to have Chelsea and Arsenal as your final two pre-season games ahead of a Man City match could have been utterly disastrous. It could have been, it, you know, the, the atmosphere at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium for the Man City game could have been absolutely toxic if these two games had absolutely been shown up. And there was a little fear, I'd say, for about a half-hour period in the first half against Chelsea of, oh, crikey, they're really bossing possession here. However, I just feel that over the the course of that game as it went on, the the character that Tottenham showed, albeit with Chelsea making a fair few changes about the hour mark, um, but then especially this game against Arsenal, where, like you say, it was never going to be a friendly, never in a million years, you know, it was a good cause. The Mind Series is a fantastic cause, the charity. Um, but as in terms of actual friendly on the pitch, no chance, no chance. I think it was four or five yellow cards. 24,000 fans in the stadium were absolutely screaming their head off at any little refereeing decision, anything. It felt like a, almost like a proper North London derby, almost. Um and Tottenham, yeah, they really showed that I think the step up to the Premier League tempo and level they're going to require next Sunday isn't going to be as far now. And actually, now with hindsight, it's looking like a very clever decision to have those two games with such big opposition, such a high tempo ahead of probably the toughest Premier League opening match of the season anyone's got. I don't think it's a bad idea at all. And I think, you know, especially with another week to be kind of continually drilled and the new signings, um, certainly looks like Brian Hill could be involved in training this week. Um, I think. I'm trying to work out whether he has to isolate or not. I'm entirely sure no, on that. he doesn't. Had he doesn't. confirmed yesterday. Doesn't have to isolate. Oh, he can just there go straight go. into training. Superb. Well, there you go. I presume is that because he's come from an international tournament back into training, I guess. Yeah, I think it sounds like he's gone from Japan straight back to Spain and then over to England. Uh, but oh, yeah, I had it confirmed it. yesterday. Don't have to isolate so he can just crack on in training and, you know, try and impress his new boss and get in that squad for Sunday. 
Well, I'm sure we'll have a little chat about him maybe in a bit, but he certainly looked good at the Olympics as well, especially that final. He was probably one of the best players in the final. So another exciting thing to throw in there as well. But yeah, I'd say if I was Nuno Espirito Santa, he's, I like the fact that you know, after the match, he was very much saying, I saw the, uh, obviously, you know, we asked questions of it as well, but Spurs TV did as well. And uh, the, the the interviewer said, oh, you know, that was outstanding. And he was like, whoa, 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 whoa. it wasn't outstanding. He said, a lot to improve on. We've still got a lot to do, but it was definitely some good signs in there. And I think that's so key that he isn't coming out and, you know, very unlike. He doesn't seem that character anyway. But to come out and just say, no, 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 no. They were good stuff, but there's still a lot of stuff I see that I want to improve. And, and that's what Tottenham need. We can't have another season like the last two. It would just be, it would be rubbish. Yeah, fingers crossed there. Everything will click into place really early on. I know I know it's a tough one to start with against City, but it's probably the best time to play them as well, especially on the back of uh, defeating the uh, Community Shield against Leicester. Obviously, they've had the number of players at the Euros, same as Spurs. So not sure who exactly will be in the City team, but City have lost every game at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium so far. They've lost the past three. And oh, don't say that, don't say that. The <laughs> gifty curse. But, you know, I know Nuno's won a lot over already, but if Spurs can play very well and then beat City, I think it'll, it'll win everyone over. So, yeah, fingers crossed we'll be talking uh, about a, a win over City next week. But then all in all, everything's looking positive at the moment and hopefully that bodes well over the course of the season. Uh, we'll move away from the pre-season uh, review now as there's a certain uh, Argentine Tottenham fans are talking about at the moment and that is Latoro Martinez of Inter Milan ahead of the game on Sunday uh, we put on London, as was reported I think in the Times by Gary Jacob that Tottenham had agreed on a fee with uh, Inter Milan for Latoro Martinez 60 million euros what equates to around 50.9 million deal does include bonuses, but that deal was agreed before uh, Chelsea had come to terms with Inter for Romelu Lukaku. Lukaku is travelling over now to England, I believe, to finalise his move to Chelsea. So it remains up in the air, really, whether a deal for Martinez will go through. It would be an, an extremely good purchase for Tottenham if they can uh, finalise a deal and get it over the line. But I think. Inter Milan's uh, financial issues are going to dictate whether that is possible or not. Obviously, they're going to be receiving about, I think, 97.5 million for Lukaku. You know, they've already lost Hakimi as well in the big money move to PSG. So if they have to sell Martinez, uh, that just shows how bad the situation is at the San Siro at the moment. Ali, obviously, you were covering the Martinez story on uh, Sunday he would be a very good purchase if Spurs can get this one over the line. Yeah, he really would. Wasn't it weird on Sunday? You and I, well, certainly <laughs> I, I at the open training got a lot of Romero news, Ellie, like shouting across at me and everything changed, didn't it, on Sunday? We were constantly getting Martinez news like that. I even had one, <laughs> one teenage uh, guy walking down to show gold, Martinez news like that. <laughs> And it was a whoa, dokie. Right. So I'm just being called gold now. That's it. Literally give me that news. Um, yeah, it's it's a funny situation. It's 
It's classic Tottenham Hotspur. Only Tottenham Hotspur can get themselves in these weird scenarios. So what we understand on this deal is that Tottenham began, well, essentially, you know, if you've got anyone that will know exactly what's going on uh, into Milan, it'll be Fabio Padatici. You know, he, he, he will know this height of the financial issues going on at Inter uh, through his spider web of contacts and everything. And, you know, as we're, as we're told, they started, uh, started negotiating for Martinez as the perfect Harry Kane um, partner, I guess, is probably the best way to put it. I think they're both quite similar in terms of purely the fact that they can either operate far up the pitch or drop back into like a support striker role. Um, and there was a, a view that they'd make a very good partnership together. So they began talks. And from what I understand, I know not all sources in Italy are saying this because I think there's maybe been a slight, uh, how do I put this, uh, pushing out of certain ways from Inter because they're very keen for the fans not to absolutely go at them. But from what I understand, um, Tottenham believed they had a kind of, were getting towards an agreement in principle, really, for um, for the for a fee over Latoro Martinez. And uh, then Lukaku's situation happened. And yeah, you know, obviously, it's a difficult one. Personally, for me, I think Lukaku was such a force in Serie A. For me, although Martinez is clearly a very talented player, I think in purely football terms, you'd probably want to keep Lukaku more. But I can understand that if you're a club that is in very dire financial straits, um, getting $100 in rather than what is probably, I don't know, with with add-ons, that's the thing with add-ons. Tottenham are very good at loading up their transfer deals either in a way where the structure means they don't have to pay too much to begin with um, or the add-ons will give the other team much more money going forward. So I guess for a team like Inter, they probably need more of the money right now. Um, And I'm guessing, I obviously don't know the ins and outs of Chelsea and their bid, but I'm guessing that Chelsea will have offered far more up front uh, now for Lukaku, which obviously gives Inter uh, some light at the end of the tunnel in terms of the, you know, some talk, I I don't know how true this is or not, whether they could even go into like real, real problems, like liquidation-y kind of things some people have claimed and stuff like that, some Italian reports have claimed, uh, which I'd hope for for the sake of football, and obviously that club, it's not that bad, but it does show that I do think maybe, I'm not saying fans, but all of us, maybe the media as well, have been slightly flippant perhaps in how damaging the pandemic has been to so many clubs especially ones who who took a bit of a gamble before it happened you know into Milan they they you know th- this is one thing we know about the Antonio Conte eras at clubs is he likes to spend a bit of money amazing world class coach but he does um he does have a lot of money spent on his squads on the whole and just to have had that happen as you suddenly lose all your revenue. So, whoa, you know, they are, they are big problems. But back to Martinez. So everything shifted and Inter suddenly changed their stance into, whoa, we're not losing both of our star strikers kind of thing. Um, and obviously the fans, I think, are already starting to go mad about it all. Um, but what I maybe say on this one is, is just to keep an eye on it. Um, Spurs certainly haven't given up. Uh, the player, I'm told, is keen to come to Tottenham. They hadn't got to the stage of agreeing personal terms before it all changed, really. But what I would say is it depends how bad, how the real truth about how bad Inter's finances are, really. I guess if they're not 
as bad as some Italian reports are claiming, then perhaps I can get away with keeping one of Lukaku or Martinez. However, if the extent of them as this window goes on is revealed to be really, really awful, then they are going to have to make a decision at some point. And, and Martinez is one of their valuable assets. Um, and, you know, we know they're looking at a fair few strikers initially to replace Lukaku, but you don't know whether if they have two or three targets that maybe they think to themselves, you know, we sell Lukaku and Martinez for, you know, what, let's say 150, 160 million pounds in total to get ourselves out of this current hole. Uh, and then we bring in players for maybe 20, 30 million, if that. And then, we, you know, we, we've... This is the thing. What's more important for a club, I guess, is being able to be financially still there for the years ahead. Um, I get as fans, we can all get very caught up and not wanting to lose star players. And I don't want to turn this into a Daniel Levy thing, but I know Daniel Levy gets a lot of criticism. And, and I do think fairly in some aspects, certainly in, in terms of progress Tottenham made, you can't argue the lack of silverware over the last 20 years has been pretty awful. But I would say, if you're going to give any credit to the guy, I think the way Tottenham are run is probably... What do you think about it? They've made a billion-pound gamble on their stadium, and yet they're not one of the teams that are absolutely stuffed after this pandemic. And I think that says a little about the way it's run financially. However much that that's not the way fans probably have wanted it to have been run, and it's frustrated me as well... Um, but yeah, it's scary what's happening to some clubs. And I think we're going to find out a lot more about other clubs being in big problems in the months ahead as well. Yeah, I think it's one of these deals, like you said, we're just going to have to keep an eye on over the next few mm. weeks. And if a deal goes through, it will show how bad the situation is at Inter. But for me, if you're bringing in Martinez, it's an incredible signing. But then Duna's going to have one selection headache on his hands. Uh, in terms Good selection of headache, though. Yeah, I mean, it's always good to have a selection headache like that, but where does Son fit into it if you're playing Martinez and Kane up front? I mean, I did a piece on this yesterday on the website and they're looking at a few different formations if you're doing the 4 4 2 and put Son out on the left, but then are you taking away some of his uh, attacking plays? He's going to need to chip in defensively. I mean, you could do a 4 3 3, keep Son on the left and then push Martinez out to the right. I know he's more of a striker who plays through the middle. So he's just going to be, first of all, if they can get this deal over the line, uh, then it's going to be uh, quite a, a decision Nuno's going to have on his hands to see how he can fit everyone in. But I think a lot of uh, Premier League defenders would be uh, incredibly worried about coming up against Kane Martinez and uh, Son in the attack. Uh, yeah, we'll move yeah, on I think to... we said this before. Sorry, just before we move on, I think we said this before. What we wanted from Bale, Son, and Kane, this would be a, a different equivalent, different dynamic. But my goodness, if you switched to let's say a four-two-three-one or a four-four-two with a diamond, and had Son, Martinez, and Kane, wow! <laughs> you know, I know I say use the expression sometimes because I always find amusing sexy football. But my goodness. Wow, there'd be some goals in that team. Because obviously, Son and Kane was such a brilliant partnership. You'd have to make sure that you didn't lose the essence of that as well and actually only added to it. It would be, oh, it could be incredible. But I would say, let's see if it happens first. Yeah, we'll move on now to uh, a current Tottenham striker. 
And that is Harry Kane. Obviously, yesterday, that Nuno did uh, an interview with Sky Sports, and basically they were reporting that he's available uh, for selection on Sunday for the Man City game. What Nuno did say is all the players in the squad that work on a daily basis will be options for us, then it is up to us to decide. At the moment, Kane returned to Hotspur Way on Saturday. He's uh, isolating at the lodge at the moment, doing a bit of training on his own. Then he will be integrated into uh, team training at the end of the week. So then Nuno is going to have uh, a decision on his hands whether Kane is involved or not. Obviously, a few weeks ago, I think everyone was reporting that Kane wouldn't be involved uh, amid the links to Man City as well in his uh, late return from the Euros, given England went all the way uh, to the final. So Nuno's going to have a a decision to make uh, whether Kane is in the squad, whether he starts, he's on the bench, or whether he's uh, left out altogether. Do you think he will be involved on Sunday? I'd still be surprised. Um, I saw... Yeah, I didn't entirely switch off on my birthday from, I must admit, I, I was having a little peek at the stuff that was being said because I know I knew there was some Nuno quotes to come out. I knew he was doing some interviews with broadcast um, companies and I saw the Sky story and I saw the quotes. And for me, what the angle was maybe didn't entirely come across in the quotes. I was a bit surprised. I saw all the stories very much about Nuno says, Harry Kane is available and expected to play and, and all of that. And then I saw the quotes, um, and unless there was some missing, it sounded very much like he answered a very direct question, but in a very straight, um, vague, straight, vague way, but in a, how do I say it, in, a, in an all-encompassing way rather than focused on one player. It was very much something like, wasn't it, um, all the players involved in daily training will be available, something, something like that. And it was a bit like, well, technically that doesn't have to mean Harry Kane because he may not, you know, he only is back out and available to kind of mix with the others on Thursday. You know, by Sunday, will he be in full training with the group? Will he be fit enough to be and sharp enough to be in the full training? You know, was he actually one of those players he was referring to? Is He's been like that with Nuno. His press conference has been really good. I, I wouldn't, like, we feared, didn't we? We feared that they were going to be very abrupt uh, not getting what we wanted press conferences, but I'd say so far we found that he actually says, on the whole, says what he needs to say. It's not like he's just trying to get out there without saying anything. He does say what he needs to say. And I think he's he's been as open as he can, I think, about this situation. But yeah, Harry Kane, wow. Um, it really is just, it's it's a mess. It's a bizarre situation. You know, we've we've obviously had when... When we know people within Tottenham expected him to come back, we know when Harry Kane clearly expected to come back and when he felt that people within Tottenham expected him to come back, which seems to be slightly two different things. Um, Obviously, where the truth lies um, is an interesting one because, you know, obviously we had the statement from Harry came out on the Friday, wasn't it? So it was five days after the day when... Everyone across the entire media world reported that he was meant to be back on Monday. We had Nuno on the Wednesday not making any claim that Harry was meant to be back on the Saturday, merely indicating that there was a problem that needed a solution. And no point did the club 
correct anyone and say that he he uh, no no he was coming back on the Saturday, not the Monday. You've all got it wrong. Um, we had talk of fines, potential fines for him. Um, it's been such a mess of a situation, and obviously uh, behind all of this, we've had Man City lurking like this kind of person, like rubbing their hands, oh, hurricane, come to us kind of thing. And, you know, uh, that was a, that was a very bad kind of Pep Guardiola impression, by the way, um, because that was leading me to my next point, that Pep obviously had his press conference as well, where, let's be honest, he didn't hold back. This, this was no, you know, we had Nuno asked about Latero Martinez on Sunday, and he was like, I oh, don't talk about other teams' players, that's not the thing to do. Pep Guardiola was like, yeah, we like him a lot, you know, oh, but they won't negotiate. We want him. We want to sign him. And it was just like, I don't know about you, but I was watching it live and I was just thinking, oh, my goodness, this is so kind of brazen. This is this is just such a weird way to act. And I, I've kind of always felt that Guardiola in the past maybe wasn't like that. I, I always got the impression he was a guy that didn't go down that route. But my goodness, I mean, before we move on to more Harry Kane, what did you think about that? What do you think of Pep's way of dealing with it? Uh, very surprised, I think, like a number of people. Uh, I think your standard answer when someone asks about uh, a player who isn't yours it is basically they're not our player. We're not going to say anything. I mean, Jose Mourinho was always like that. Pochettino was well. So Guardiola to come out and say, yeah, they do like him was uh, really, really surprising. And then when obviously when Nuno was asked about Martinez as well, he just... Again, said, well, it's not our player. Well, we can't discuss it. So that just uh, shows the uh, difference between uh, the two of them. So, yeah, uh, I don't think we've heard the last of it, to be honest. And oh, you can you so can bet cool. on Thursday or Friday when Pep holds his press conference, Harry Kane will be the number one topic. And I can't see him going this time. Yeah, we can't say anything. He's our player. He'll, he'll no doubt. He'll have something else to say. So, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll have to see what he says this week. Uh, I, yeah, yeah. It, it, I think there's a lot more still to happen with the Harry Kane story. I do. And and everything coming out of the club right now is that it's just a big, fat no from Tottenham. It's like we're not going to discuss it this, this summer. Um, there's talk, you know, I know there's all this talk about other players coming to Tottenham as part of a deal and... I'm always very wary of stuff like that because in my mind, as much as, you know, I have a, a big fondness for Tottenham Hotspur, which obviously is very clear to all, um, as a Man City player, especially ones on huge wages who are used to winning Champions Leagues, I'd be surprised to see them drop into as, as a credible and exciting um, as the Europa Conference League is going to be this season. I just can't understand that logic in my head. Some of the names I've seen linked has been a bit like, uh? um, but yeah, I think there's far more to come on this because I'm intrigued next to see what the Kane camp's reaction to all of this is going to be. We've seen them get a lot of criticism, I think, for the way that it's been handled thus far. Um, whether that's fair or not, it's probably not for me to say. Um, but certainly I know the club have been very disappointed with, you know, obviously the stories that came out, even the Gary Neville interview timing, things like that. And then the 
front page story from Harry Kane's brother's wedding. Obviously, he was also his agent. It was all very, very bizarre. And I don't think it helped the scenario. I don't think Pep's stuff in midweek has helped the scenario at all. And I think certainly with the Harry Kane statement, although I very much felt it was a carefully worded statement that you could also read as much from what it didn't say as from what it did say, what I would say, it almost felt like a first step towards trying to rebuild bridges with a lot of fans who were very upset. Um, and I'll be intrigued to see what happens now. I mean, if he doesn't get his move, which at the moment is looking the case, because also another thing that I keep hearing out of Spurs is that it's now too late in a window to bring in the absolute... I mean. You know, we've never got away from this fact. If Harry Kane is either the maybe top or second top striker in world football in terms of an all-round, an absolute number nine striker, you know, maybe Lewandowski and him, probably that that's where the debate's to be had, who's the best. But certainly in the top two strikers in the world. Um, so to replace that with what we now got, um, was it three weeks, just under three weeks left of the window? Um, Believe, no, yeah, exactly three weeks. Is it three weeks today? Exactly three weeks. Yeah, there yeah. you go. End of all. So exactly three weeks left. We know you can't replace him with one person, a Martinez or a Vlajevic. That is not a Harry Kane replacement. It's not what he is. This guy was the Golden Boot winner and Playmaker Award winner. You know that shows what. How many times has that has that ever happened in the history? I don't know whether that's ever happened before. To actually be a guy that is that creative but also scores that many goals, that's incredible. So to have three weeks to then spend, which, you know, I'd, I'd still be stunned if City actually in a cash bid made the sort of bid that Tottenham would want. Um, and then you're looking at trying to put that towards replacements, especially when other clubs are fully aware that you have then got the money to, you know, spend. I think if Man City really wanted Harry Kane, they needed to go in hard right at the start of the summer and say, look, bang, let's not mess about. You know, I know he didn't have a release clause like Grealish, but here's the money, take it or leave it, that's it. And I think this kind of rubbish, oh, they won't negotiate, but here's a little bit of money, what about this kind of thing? I don't think that's helped Harry Kane whatsoever. And I think we're now at a situation where I think it's far less likely that he moves than he does, because I think it's too little time. And I'm, what was kind of my original point was, there was that, I'm intrigued to see where this goes now for, for Kane and, and Camp Kane, as it were. And that's not to I'm not calling him Camp. It's more <laughs> the people around him. Um, because, you know, there's, there's little bits of noises coming out from around his camp that not to entirely rule out a new contract for him, which would be an incredible U-turn um, or a, a turnaround. And, and for me, even the prospect of that is, is incredible because there's two other elements to that is, I guess, yes, if you're going to stay, why not get paid more money? I get that entirely, if you're going to look at it from purely that point of view. And I think if you look at what Spurs are trying to do in the transfer market, you can maybe see there's, there's something exciting happening there. You know, um, obviously, Gleaney, some people go, oh, he's just a backup goalkeeper, but he's a talented goalkeeper. He could be the successor to Laurie. So that's what he's trying to do. Brian Heal is one of the most talented prospects, you know, in Spanish football. Romero, my goodness, you know, we'll talk about him in a bit, I'm sure, but I asked the Spirit of Santa about him yesterday, um, on Sunday, and he was he's probably the most excited I've ever seen the Spirit of Santa. And he's a guy that doesn't look like he gets very excited. 
Um, and obviously, there's more to come. You know, we we know there's more to come. So perhaps Kane's been been told, you know, have a little look at what we're trying to do. You know, you want ambition, and that's what we're trying to do. But then the flip side to that is, does he take a? You know, I can't see Spurs putting a release clause in there. I'd be very surprised. And I think Toby Alderweireld was the only one I've ever seen that with. And even that, I think I'm led to believe that was something that came across from his Atletico Madrid days. It was something that had to carry across. I can't remember the exact details, but it was very rare. And also, why would he extend his deal further when, you know, that was the big problem for him was signing a six-year deal in 2018. I find it fascinating and I'm intrigued to see where it goes next because if there were to be a new Harry Kane contract, my goodness, can it, that, would, that would be the most incredible U-turn of the summer. And it's not to say it hasn't happened. You know, we have sometimes had these big transfer sagas that have ended in a, a new contract. Even Spurs and Jack Grealish, do you remember back in the day? that look, Jack Grealish was about to sign for Tottenham. Tottenham mucked it up, didn't push it through before the new investment came in. And then about a week later, Greenish signed a new deal. So it does happen. But my goodness, that would be some story. But yeah, no, I'd be intrigued to see kind of what happens next. I, I think Man City will continue to try to push. But I just don't get for a club of their stature and money and, and all they've got, I just don't understand. If I was Harry Kane, which I'm clearly not, but if I was Harry Kane... I would be wondering why Man City, if they really wanted me, just haven't gone in there and said, bang, here's the money you know he, we know he's valued at, we know what he's worth, here you go. It's very odd. You know, it's talking about a team kind of haggling, and you don't see Man City as real hagglers. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, if Kane is to leave Tottenham at some point, is this the summer he, he has to go, really? Because, I mean... Uh, City have been linked with Erling Haaland before and Haaland has, I believe, a release clause next year, what is a lot less money than uh, what Kane would be available for this summer. So would you be better buying a younger player next year for less money? I mean, for me, if I was offered $150 for Kane now, I think you'd have to seriously consider it because 28-year-old who's had... A number of ankle injuries. I mean, you're 28. How many years at the very, very top are you going to have left? Maybe four. I mean, obviously, it could carry on into late 30s, but when he's at his peak. And then, obviously, Tottenham have someone coming through in Dane Scarlett at the moment who is going to be an incredible footballer if he uh, continues to progress. I mean, Jose Mourinho waxed lyrical about him a few weeks ago. So I think if, if you were offered 150 million, I think you'd have to seriously uh, consider it. But let's wait and see what happens. There's going to be plenty more talk about Kane of the uh, next few weeks. We'll move away don't from take, Kane now. Don't take it. Don't listen to Robert Guest, anyone at Tottenham. No way. He's guaranteed your goals. Four years of guaranteed goals. You might miss the odd matches with ankle injuries, but... There's no guarantee of any other player coming into Tottenham and doing what he does, honestly. I, uh, yeah. yeah. Daniel Levy, if you're listening to this, because I'm sure you'll be listening to Golden Guest Talk Tottenham uh, while, you, uh, <laughs> while you have your breakfast tomorrow morning. Um, don't listen to Robert Guest. Don't take the money. 
Right, we'll move away from Kane now anyway. Uh, we might have different views on that. Uh, <laughs> another player who's been in the headlines at the moment is Tangi Endombele. I think a lot of people were probably expecting Tangai to play on Sunday against Arsenal because Tottenham uh, tweeted out a video of him in training on the Saturday evening. Yeah, worst time tweet probably ever, I think, now. Yeah, he'd not played in the previous four games. Obviously, he returned at the start of pre-season training as he wasn't involved in the Euros for France. Has recently become a father, but... While he has been training, he's not been in the matchday squads. And once again, he wasn't in the matchday squad against Arsenal. Uh, Nuno was asked about him after the game and said, we have all the players, we have to assess all the individual aspects of each and every one of the players. Tanga is not with us today. He's not injured, but we consider it. It's not yet the moment for him to be part of the game. So with no end on belly involved at the weekend uh, against Arsenal, it's hard to see him being in the squad against Man City because he's not going to be match fit. He's got to be nowhere near match fit if he hasn't played since... When was the last time he played? Probably starting May? Because oh, he, he wasn't getting South... the run of games under Ryan Mason. He started the first game under Mason, was at Southampton. Started that, yeah. and then I think he had maybe Dropped for the one... cup final. He was. Maybe one or two sub-appearances. He hasn't started since the Southampton game. Yeah, so yeah. a long, long time. So that's one what we'll have to see happens over the next few weeks. I think everyone knows how good a player Tangi Underbelly is uh, when he's at the top of his game. Incredible. We've, we've seen glimpses of it so far. He did look to be getting back towards his best last year. He was playing regular 90 minutes, but it's just not clicked for him so far at Tottenham. I mean, what are your thoughts on that, Ali? I think... Everyone knows you are, I think, <laughs> president of the Tangi and Dembele fan club, aren't you? I, I am currently, as we speak, laminating membership cards for the Tangi and Dembele uh, mem- uh, fan club. I I adore the way Tangi and Dembele actually plays football. For me, it's what football is all about. It's like, you know, fans pay their money. I know they want to, the first thing you want to see, obviously, is, is your players giving their all and everything. But I think in... The beauty of football, what you really pay to go and watch is players like Ondimbele and what he can do. That It's just natural talent, this magic that they're born with. Um, you know, even the only time he's kind of been spotted in front of a crowd um, this season thus far was the open training. And watching him open training, he just dances around the other players. They can't get near him. There's real shades of uh, Moussa Dembele about him and the way he is uh, on the pitch. But it just hasn't worked. I think it probably frustrates me more than any other player because it hasn't worked, because he's so good. Whoever gets the best out of Tongi and Dembele could potentially have one of the best players in the world on their hands. You know, I, I know that's a big statement, but, you know, we've watched a lot of football. We've watched a lot of players. And I have seen few players that can do what he can with the ball. He is a game changer. If he wanted to, he could take the ball from his own penalty area, put it in the other goal if he wanted to, with nobody taking the ball off him in the process. He's that good. But you can't get away from the fact now that since Poch left, he just hasn't 
there's been something that hasn't quite been right with each of the three managers he's worked with since. Mourinho, we know all about the issues in the first season, but to be fair to Mourinho and Tongi, whatever it was, was worked out. And in the second season, he's probably got the best out of Ondembele that maybe we've seen, maybe even in his career thus far. He was the fittest he's ever been, and he had a real run of looking incredibly good. Then Mourinho went, Ryan Mason came in, gave him one start, and clearly just thought, nah, nah, not having that, and bombed him out of the team. Now Espirito Santo has come in and has not even picked him in a single preseason game. Yes, he became a dad, but obviously he's been back in training for a fair few weeks now. Um, and obviously we asked him about him and um, he gave his answer on Sunday. And then he did another interview yesterday with Sky where I think he said something like he's not in the right moment to come into the team. And, you know, from what I understand is... <sighs> He's, he is considering his options this summer, Tongi. There's no getting around it. He is. Um, he's, a, he, he's such a straight, a funny character. He's a real, you know, I've been very fortunate. I've done a couple of interviews with him. One, one way back when he first joined out in, um, in Singapore in his first preseason. And then again, sat down for a real, oh, about 45 minutes interview with him. And he is a really interesting guy. He's very clever, very clever as well. Yeah, I think people maybe don't realise that about him because we don't hear too much from him. But he is quite a clever chap. Um, but he admitted in that long interview, he admitted that in those first few weeks of the Poch preseason, he wanted to leave the club. It was too tough for him. He told his friends, I want to get out. Then we know he wanted to leave when Mourinho came in. Um, and he wanted to leave that summer. And now, again, considering his options, you know, I put out there, which I know that he's obviously very disappointed that Sergio Rio Musa Soko look likely to leave. I think some people then went and ran with that and, uh, and took that as, he's leaving because his mates are going. It's like, no, 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 no. That's just a little side thing in terms of, you know, if you really get on with people, and these are two guys that helped him adapt to, to English football and are very close to him but are likely to leave. In any walk of life, that's disappointing. I'm not saying that that's why he wants to leave. I just, I don't know. I just feel we have this little bit of a, a cycle with Tongi where we see him knuckle down, do really well um, on the pitch, have a real run of games, maybe slightly get caught up in the hype around him. Then he seems to consider his future. I, I I was going to say have a strop, but maybe that's too strong. Although he did have a little bit of a strop at the open training after an Eric Dyer challenge, threw a cup away and had a little bit of a rant. Um, and then the kind of the process starts again. And the problem with Tongi, I think now is how everyone loves him at Tottenham. They love what he can do. And they think, you know, he is probably the most gifted player Tottenham have by a stretch. And that's saying something when they've got some incredible players there, like, like Sonny, um, you know, obviously we know what Harry Kane can do and some of the other things that the attacking players can do as well. But I think we're at the point now where where Tottenham will probably start thinking, like, because at the start of the summer, it was made very clear, we're not so in Tongi. Tongi's not going anywhere. And I wonder, as this window goes on and they look at other targets, does it start to get to a point where it's like, if if Nuno isn't, feeling it if Nuno isn't getting the vibe that he can get the best out of him you know do they start to look to cash in which for me 
you know, would be the saddest day. I'd have to throw away all these membership cards I'm laminating right now. <laughs> um, you know, it'd be even more painful than Eric Lamella leaving the club, who, as you know, was one of my my favourites as well. But yeah, it gets to a little point where I don't know. I just, it's just frustrating. It's just very frustrating, and I can't see them getting the kind of figure that they got. He's their club record signing. You know, we're talking about getting towards sixty million kind of thing, if not more, with the add-ons. Um, I can't see him getting back, and and I just hope. I just hope he has another little epiphany like he had last summer. And he absolutely knuckles down because, again, he's got another coach in Nuno Espirito that wants incredible fitness levels, double sessions and everything. And we know from Tongi's younger years, his coaches when he was young, uh, when he was younger said, you know, he wasn't really up for the fitness side of stuff. He didn't enjoy that as much. And he wasn't – his problem was always consistency. You'd hope becoming a dad, little things like that, will make him more – you know, I suppose focused is a, is, a, is probably the best way of putting it. Serge Aurier told me that in an interview, that when he became a dad, uh, it really, really focused him on his work and making sure that it was it was all about, I suppose, his family and, and the best for them, which some people might disagree with when it comes to Serge. But I definitely think he improved a hell of a lot last season. Um, I do. But, yeah, with Tongi, oh, please, please, Tongi, please get it together because you he's genuinely one of the most – enjoyable footballers to watch out there. There's so many moments in the press box where uh, I've made noises, which are hopefully other people don't interpret to be a little bit dodgy, but there's certainly times that I have inhaled deeply uh, or exhaled deeply at some of the things he's done and just incredible, incredible guy. Yeah, I think he said he's just got to get to a, it's going to get to a point in there where you've got to decide one way or another what happens with him. And then Nuno was saying it's not yet the moment for him. When is when is it going to be the moment for him? I mean, exactly. he returned at the start of preseason training. Then I was one of them, and I'm sure pretty much every other Spurs fan probably believed that. Given he wasn't in the France squad for the Euros, he would come back looking to prove a lot of the doubters wrong from the very first day, from the very first day of training, the start of July, and look to hit the ground running and find his top form. But we've not seen him in any preseason friendlies at the moment. Might be a while uh, until we next see him in a Spurs shirt, unless, of course, uh, they decide to uh, move him on. So that's another we'll have to keep an eye on over the next few weeks. I think it's going to be a busy few weeks. I think there's going to be a lot happening. So, yeah. But the irony one. is, with Tongi as well, is with Nuno's, if they do stick with a 4 3 3, it's made for yeah. Tongi on the Mele. It is. It is. Oh, I mean, we've said you know good things about Delhi after that Arsenal game, but with no offence to, to Delhi, Tongi is the perfect fit to sit in front of Hoybier and Skip. He really is. And I just, it's if he can't see that, it's such a shame. He may well, you know, maybe doing him disservice, but if he can't see that he would flourish in that system and and he would be seen because it actually takes away some of the defensive stuff he had to do under Mourinho. You know, he could be more focused on getting the ball up there to the strikers. He could be incredible. But it's only Tongi can kind of make that happen. Yeah. Well, speaking of Nuno's team, then for Sunday's game against Man City, do we reckon it's going to be basically the 11 who started on Sunday against Arsenal? I think I'd probably say nine, maybe 10 are nailed on. I think it's probably the early positions I'd probably question is you right back and your centre back but I think Tanganga did enough 
on Sunday to start at right back. And I think what surprised me was when he went off uh, with a bit of a knock, it wasn't Matt Doherty who came on. Now, it was Serge Aurier. And I said to you, I mean, we were sat next to each other in press box. It was like, what's the point in bringing Serge Aurier on for five minutes? He's made it clear he wants to leave this summer. He's not going to renew his contract. I mean, it didn't happen. But what happened if he picked up a bad injury? What Agreed. would have gone on beyond Agreed. the end of August? I do know and the then... answer, though. Do you want the answer? Yeah. I, I, I did dig around after that, after we had that conversation to find out. And what I was told was that Matt Doty picked up a little knock um, at Chelsea. So he could have played. It's not to say he couldn't play, which was why he was among the subs. But they just there was a feeling of let's not chance it in case we need him against City. But I agree, Aurier could have picked up some dodgy injury, which could have ruled him out of a move. Um, yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Go on, I'll let you finish before I give you my thoughts on Tanganga and especially Davinson Sanchez. Yeah, uh, Tanganga for me starts. Uh, I think he Mourinho started him in the last league game against Man City. And he yeah. played well, even though Spurs lost 3-0. He was probably best performer that day at the Etihad. Reno said it was a complete performance uh, by him. And I think if you're going to be coming up against someone like Jack Grealish on Sunday, uh, then you want a, a really good defensive right back playing there. And I think you're going to get that in Tanganga. So I would start him. Uh, Sanchez, credit to him, he did play well the other day against Arsenal. And he was uh, replicating Toby Alderweireld with uh, a few pinpoint long balls over the top in the first half, what uh, Spurs almost profited from. So, yeah, I think it'll be pretty much the 11 that started the other day. You in agreement or would you change a few things? Um, <clears throat> there's the Harry Kane question, of course, of course. Um, but, yeah, first off, Tanganga also picked up that knock, obviously. And it's whether he's fit enough to play. I it would be so disappointing for him because I thought he was superb against Arsenal. He he did a lot of the good things we've seen him do at right back in the past. Um, I mean, the battling alone for the goal was phenomenal. Not only I kind of I got to obviously watch it back after we left the stadium, but not only the actual battling in the corner with Pepe to get the ball in the first place to get it to Lo Celso, but then after Lo Celso's little ball through, he then had to use his body really well to kind of shield it and get the ball across to Son. Um, and personally, I think it should be a no-brainer if he's fit to play against City because I think, yeah, as you want, let's be honest, you want one of your fullbacks to be more defensively inclined. And I think that has to be uh, Jaffet, who, you know, we've had all this stuff around him at the moment, with Galatasaray, um, Spurs wanting him to go out to a UK club on loan if possible. Personally, I'd kind of be quite disappointed in, a, in one regard if he went on loan, because I just think he could be a terrific Premier League player for Tottenham. But I also understand that for him to do that, perhaps he does need minutes every single week. I, I do agree with that. Davinson Sanchez was superb. I wouldn't even just say he was good. I thought it was superb. And I know some people say it was only a friendly, but it was Arsenal. It was not a friendly. It really wasn't. And I've never been one to jump on the Davinson Sanchez hate train. I know there is a, it's got a lot of carriages in it. And we often hear it coming through the stadium every, or most weeks, because I've seen him against the likes of 
uh, you know, Real Madrid, when he played for Spurs against Real Madrid, and he almost marked Ronaldo out of the game. He was that good that day. He was superb. I've seen him having other huge games. The problem with him, as we know, is that probably once a game, he makes one one error with his decision-making, pretty much once a game. And it's whether that leads to a goal or not. But I think a lot of the other stuff he does is so good. Um, but unfortunately, he will make these silly mistakes, and that's what people will seize upon. I would still say he's probably still in that realm of being a relatively youngish defender. He's still probably learning his trade a bit. Um, he's not a kid, I get that, but he's not, you know, considered to be in his defensive prime. You know, he's not like a 28-year-old, 29-year-old. Oh, my goodness, you know, we're seeing Bonucci and, um, oh, my goodness, his name's gone out of my head, Cialini, uh, you know, players like that, absolutely, probably at their best in their 30s kind of thing. So I do think that he's only going to get better. And what I'm told is that he's come back from his exploits with Colombia, you know, finishing third in the Copa America, and he's come back, also with interest from other clubs in him, which boosts your confidence. Yeah. And yeah, he's come back a very confident player. And apparently that's why Nuno pretty much straight away chucks him into the first game he was really available for. Um, and he played very well. So I'll be intrigued to see what happens with him now because people will have watched that display that want him. And I think that will probably increase that interest in him. But personally, if I were to keep some of the centre-backs at the club. And obviously, Spurs are looking to bring in another one, Romero. I'd probably keep Sanchez, personally. That's only me personally. And, and that's probably that's probably a battle between him and Eric Dyer. Eric Dyer, I also think, does a lot of good things. I also think makes some daft decisions as well. We've seen that even in pre-season. Um, but I, just, I think, personally, that Sanchez makes less mistakes than Dyer. And that's where he shades it for me. And obviously, he's a bit younger as well. Um, but yeah, in terms of the 11, sorry, got away from that a little bit. I'd say if Kane doesn't come in, which I still think, unless there's been a huge positive swing in the whole situation in the other direction towards Tottenham, I'd be surprised if you play him against the mm. team who want to sign him. Um, I think he clearly over the years has shown that he's, a professional guy when it comes to his football and what he does on the pitch. Um, however, we also saw him against, was it Aston Villa after all of the speculation and, and things that had come out. And he was, you know, this is a harsh statement to say about someone who was incredible last season, but in that game in particular, he, he was pretty awful. He really was poor. And admittedly the team was, but they needed him to kind of drive them on and he just didn't. Um, I'd hope he wouldn't do that against Man City, but I just don't know whether you can take that risk with everything going on around him. Mentally, it, it would be difficult for any player, I think. Um, so, yes, I, I think the 11 probably that started against City, Regulon looked good as well. The Hoybeer skip partnership starting to come along now. That's looking good. Uh, you need both of them against City. And let's not forget City are not going to be the City uh, certainly the 11 that romped to the title last season. It's going to be probably more akin to what we saw in the Community Shield, that sort of 11, maybe with a couple of extra players coming back. But, you know, they've, interestingly, with all the talk of Kane coming back and when he came back, they've actually given their players a lot of time off, you know, a lot of the maximum probably time that you could. Um, and I don't think they're going to be at the level fitness-wise. And that could be where Tottenham profit. It really could because Tottenham look fit. They look like they're getting there. They look like they could run all day. 
it's going to be, you'd imagine, a full house at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. So I think that 11 could do a good job. And let's be honest, some of the big games against Man City in recent years, Kane hasn't been involved. You know, yeah. they've shown yeah. they can win without him. Yeah, I think it'll be a, it's a really good opener for me. As I said, uh, it's the best time to play City. Then as well, the fitness is going to have a, a big impact on the game. And yeah, fingers crossed, come next week, we will be talking about three points and uh, a winning start to Nuno Espirito as time as Tottenham manager in the league. Uh, before we finish, as I think we've talked about an hour now on the pod so far, we'll finish with a quick season preview. Uh, where are Spurs going to finish then in the table, Ali? For you? Oh, man. <laughs> um, I think there'll be an improvement. I do. I do think there'll be improvement. I think I can see that under Spirit of Santo. I really do. Um, whether it's enough for the top four will be defined by the next three weeks in the transfer window, hugely. Um, I'm going to add a massive caveat in mine. I'd say, as they are right now, fifth. But if the next three weeks go the way that I think Tottenham want them to, I think they could maybe creep back into that top four. For me, I think the top three is going to be Liverpool, City and Chelsea. Then I think it's going to probably be between three of United, Leicester and Spurs for that final place. So as long as there's a, a big improvement, another good cup run would be nice. FA Cup run would be very nice. And then fingers crossed go far in the uh, Europa Conference League as well. Uh, would be uh, really good for Nuno. To it's the dream the for all of us, let's be honest. It is. Uh, we want to see Spurs <laughs> lifting that trophy in Tirana in Albania at the end of May in front of 20,000 fans. Uh, I love the fact that we're mocking Spurs possibly winning a trophy when they won one in 20 years. But we, let's be honest, we'd love it. Of course we would. We'd absolutely love it. But I think it's just the thought of going to Albania with no disrespect to Albania because I've never been there and it could be utterly beautiful. Um, but just the thought of, you know, Champions League final two years ago in Madrid and obviously having tasted that to then be in front of 20,000 fans in Albania for a competition that didn't even exist then. It's just madness. It's only Tottenham Hotspur could do this. Yeah, well, uh, we'll leave that here for episode two of Golden Guest Top Tottenham. Uh, just want to say quick thank you to everyone so far who's downloaded the podcast and subscribed. We've got some really nice feedback so far. I was having a look on iTunes at the reviews, some really good ones. I think a lot of five stars was one one star as well so podcast maybe not as good as uh someone was expecting but no <laughs> uh yeah really pleased so far with the feedback and we hope you enjoy it the podcast I think it was is the bloke that shouted uh gold martinez news and i just looked at him weirdly maybe it was him he came on and just gave that one star yeah probably did it straight after the game on sunday uh yeah. so uh yeah Thank you for everyone so far who has subscribed and downloaded the podcast that is available on all good podcast platforms, iTunes, Spotify, and wherever you can download it from. It is there. So we'll be back next week. We'll be doing them on a weekly basis and we'll be uh, reviewing the Man City game. Looking forward to uh, the Europa League. Oh, sorry, Europa Conference League. First, uh, oh, first game the playoff tie. I know. And then also 
wolves away. Nunez returned to Molyneux. So as ever, and thank you for joining stuff. us. Transfer stuff. Don't forget transfer stuff. I think um, I think next week we'll have a lot more to talk about that on that as well. Yeah, and plenty more transfer stuff then. So as ever, thank you for joining us and just keep with us at football.london for all your latest Tottenham news.